Welcome everyone to the Time to Unwind podcast from Watch Gecko. Now, we have been talking about tool watches, um, and this is a continuation of a discussion that could go on for a long, long time. But luckily for you, we've tried to condense it to within an hour or so, um, or, you know, but honestly, um, it's been a struggle. Um, joining us today again are Tim and Richard. Tim, say hello, Tim. Hello, Tim. Hello, Anthony. And hello, Richard. Fantastic. And everyone else. Back at school. Say hello, Richard. <laughs> hello, everybody that's listening. Fantastic. Brilliant. Well, introduction's over. Let's go straight back into what we were talking about last time, which was tool watches. Now, what we spent some time discussing was the history and the origins of the tool watch, why tool watches are known as tool watches, what they're used for and what they stand for. But one thing that we do all agree on is that that's somewhat changed. Um, no longer um, are people necessarily climbing mountains and diving and flying uh, sop with camels and all these things that originally tool watchers were intended for. Um, now it's fair to say that the whole tool watch scene has moved on somewhat. And these sort of like, you know, um, classic watches such as, you know, moon watches, speedmasters, um, Rolexes, you name it, they're, they're all worth a lot of money now. So what we thought of as a tool watch back then may not be a tool watch now. Um, agreed or not? Or, you know, do we, do we still think that the Explorer 1 does everything everywhere? <laughs> uh, I, I think, yes. I mean, to answer that question, yeah, I think the Explorer 1 is still pretty good. Um, but I, I think the definition of what a tool watch is nowadays is so related to people's personal, well, what they do every day, basically. Um, I think a tool watch is that everyday tool, and, and arguably, the every the, the term everyday watch is actually quite related to a tool watch. Um, so I think it varies for, per person, really. I mean, there'd be people out there who live extremely active lifestyles, and they're I don't know, they work on oil rigs or they're builders or anything really like that, um, and they require something different to what I would require, for example. Um, so yeah, I think it's become a lot more more personal, really. Yeah, I, I completely agree as well. I think although I would always be a great advocate of if you ha are lucky enough to own uh, a Rolex Explorer, that you do take it everywhere with you and you embrace the fact the watch was designed to, to be on life's adventure with you. The mm. reality is now, um, if you are as we've recently done building something in the garden i probably wouldn't have worn it yeah yeah exactly which of course leads me on to the next seamless question what is the best modern day tool watch because everything has changed so much isn't it so technology's moved on um you know there's the stuff available now which you know wouldn't even have been considered uh a few years ago or decades ago so what, what would you say really are the most sort of like the most significant technological advantage uh, advances even in in how to tool watches have evolved i would take a stab at saying yeah. that um there are with the exception of the uh, uh citizen ray mirrors that we were discussing in the last show uh very few tool watches seem to have embraced solar power I was thinking that, yeah. And I think that's something that is uh, 
I mean, I'm, I'm not suggesting that if we're all wearing solar powered watches, the world will be a better place. But I, I'm surprised that that level of technology, ha as it's so readily available, hasn't made it into um, more everyday watches mm. for what your average person would call a tool watch. Yeah, I think if you relate the original definition of a tool watch as being a functional tool, um, mm. it's hard to disagree that solar isn't the best option in that sense because you, you a tool watch or a tool is is something that you don't need to worry about and it works every time you need it like a hammer it won't let you get a hammer whatever you, you do sorry sorry apologies no that's fine no um it won't let you down like a hammer i like that i think no what i was gonna say was <laughs> if you're using a hammer you're not gonna go oh I, I wonder if this is gonna break on me or not like it's just a tool you just use it you don't it doesn't, it doesn't come into your your mind and i suppose that's kind of where solar watches are, are better than mechanical watches in that sense because there is always a chance that a mechanical watch could break arguably a solar one could in a way as well um but i think the chances are less than something that is mechanical with cogs and a balance wheel and all this sort of thing you know what they say tim about bad workmen they they always blame their tools <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's very true but you, you tim had the chance didn't you to spend quite a lot of time not so long ago with the um zin u50 um made from submarine steel in fact i think you voted it as your watch of the year did you not uh i mentioned it yeah i couldn't i could not go down the cartier route in that sense but yes it was it was an honorable mention that uh we, we did an article where we all summarized our favorite watches of the year and we should have stuck to one watch but i accidentally put in the zin as well because it was too good to not mention I think absolutely. What, what, um, so tell us a little bit about submarine steel. That's um, that presumably steel of the specification that they use to build submarines. Yeah, it's a recycled yeah. sub or anything like that. Yeah, I believe it's the same steel that you see on German submarines. Um, and it's something that Zinn do a lot of. Um, I found when I wore the U U50, it's like you can't scratch it. Basically, that's kind of the main thing I noticed. Um, and what, one of the, the other benefits of it is like the the subdued, like almost completely matte look you get from it. Um, it just suited the watch perfectly. Um, uh, when I wore it, I wore it a week away. I wasn't doing <clears throat> anything that the, anything, even a fraction of what the watch could could survive. Um, but it was perfect. It was I mean, we, we're probably going to go on to talk about some of our modern tool watch choices. But spoiler, the U50 is is one of mine. Um, it's a great. I watch. Say, sorry, sorry to spoil your uh, spoil your parade, Tim. But, but I thought I mentioned it because it is a great watch, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, no, that's all right. Yeah, no parade has been spoiled. <laughs> of course, when we're talking about tool watches, there's a lot of um, modern technology of which, of course, I know nothing about because um, physics and technology was always my worst subject at school. Um, in fact, I remember one time in in chemistry, and they said what you have to do is um, is light your splint and then light the Bunsen burner. So I did that, you know, lit the splint and the Bunsen burner. And they then said, and then throw away the splint afterwards. So I did. And that's how the bin caught fire. Because <laughs> uh, no one said anything about blowing it out. But anyway, there we go. So that's that's my level of technology, just to sort of like give you a little bit of background um, and, and to sort of explain that I'm now going to ask all sorts of stupid questions. Um, but Richard, you're you're a much cleverer man than me. Faraday cases, what are those, such as those used in the um, Rolex Milgauss? Again, I believe 
a technology that wouldn't have been around a few years ago when it came to designing tool watches. Well, the, to my, best of my knowledge, the Milgos has always been in a Faraday cage. I think you'll find actually that's quite old technology. They, the, I told you, I knew nothing about technology. <laughs> a, a Faraday cage is, um, it, it's a, it is a, a wire cage, for want of a better term, where the movement sits within it. Um, and what it does is, as as a, a huge electrical field is is uh, envelops the watch it passes over the Faraday cage and around it, but it can't penetrate it. Ah. Um, th there was a, a really good experiment in the Science Museum in London where you could put your watch, if you were brave enough, into uh, a round uh, device, uh, like a ring, which had a magnetic field. And they would ask you to do it if you had a mechanical watch on to see, and the watch would just stop. And then you bring it out and the watch would begin, it would start again. And I actually did it with my Rolex Submariner. And it did. It stopped dead. You're, you're a brave man, aren't you? I, I was just about to say, you're much braver than Anthony, who wouldn't even take it for a swim. So I, you're... I, think I, I think I was under pressure from a youngster at the time to do it. Okay. And I put the watch in and the Rolex Submariner did alarmingly stop dead. And then when I pulled it out, once the magnetic um, fields had reduced a bit, it did start up again and it was fine. Did Obviously, had I... Sorry, go. Sorry. Sorry, did they demagnetize the watch for you or not? No, it just did it itself. Hmm. It started up again. It took a little bit of time, but it started up it's again. Not, now, I bet those were the longest seconds of your life. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think there was a point when I thought I'd made a horrendous mistake, yes. <laughs> to sue uh, but of course, had I been wearing a Rolex Milgos, that would not have happened. Oh yeah, that would have been a good moment. <laughs> That would have been a great moment. But, I mean, <laughs> so, so there's different ways they've been doing it. I mean, I think probably the ones that have really, the companies really embraced it uh, in the last 10 years has got to be Omega because they went through, do you remember they brought out their specific 15,000 ghosts uh, resistant, uh, I think it was part of the Aquaterra range, wasn't it? Yes. The one that's got the yellow and black second hand. Mm -hmm. And that's protected that. up to 15,000 ghosts of... Uh, magnetic power I, mean, I i don't really know i i know that's what magnetism is measured in so my understanding is the rolex milgos is a thousand ghosts rolex went up to fifteen thousand, and they, they did that there was no faraday cage because obviously you could look at the crystal back of the watch and you could still see the movement mm. what they yeah. did was they made everything out of non non-ferrous material uh -huh. which yeah. was actually quite a radical step and i think uh, in certain circles, such as people working at the Arctic or the Antarctic near the poles at 90 degrees north or south, those watches immediately became very, very popular because there, I do know for a fact, watches can stop and they can get, you can get um, misreadings from them because the magnetic fields are so strong, they affect a the mechanical movement of a watch. Uh, the other one that, of course, that we did mention in the last show that is particularly effective at resisting um, any form of magnetic field is, of course, the Citizen Pro Master Tough, which says 16,000 ghosts on the back of it. It absolutely is. Now, I, I don't think I've knowingly been uh, close to many strong magnetic fields because this is what I was just wondering, actually. What sort of, um, you know, tool watches, as we know, watches designed to do a job, what, what, what sort of jobs regularly bring you into contact with big magnetic fields? I was just trying to rack my brain to, to think um, what I used to know a chap that worked at the um, 
the, the thing called the Joint European Taurus. And that's the the large hadron collider, the large ring where they, you know, they, they try to create particles. They all had. Uh, this is really interesting. They all had watches with high anti-magnetic uh, capability on them because their daily work, they were exposed to magnetic fields a lot. Anybody working in the North or South Pole, they have to have it. Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll remember that next time I apply for a job in the South Pole. <laughs> you do that. Well, you, you're covered. You've got your Ray Mayors. Yeah. Uh, I you know, like sort of, um, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm there. I'm basically. Get the CV over now. Get the CV over for Older Explorer. <laughs> I can see myself on that. I think that's that's excellent. Um, so, Richard, I think out of all of us, you, you, you're the one who's lived the most, most adventurous life um you've done you've done all sorts of things um is that a polite way of saying he's the oldest <laughs> no, 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 no. He's a, you know he's a man who's sorry traveled i said it tra traveled a lot sort of um met interesting people shot at them that sort of thing and um just sort of like sort of wondered you know throughout this this this, this whole thing sort of um um which tool watch have you found most suited to your use well, this is going to be one of my top three. So again, is is this Anthony raining on somebody else's parade now? Well, yes. Spoiler alert. Let's go into think, it. Yeah. Let's do it. Spoiler. Okay, my. Uh, it's yeah, it's quite tough. I mean, part of the brief for this podcast was your top three watches. So I'm sure we can summarise them at the end. But uh, the one I would like to stand up and be the greatest advocate for is not the aforementioned Rolex, Omega, Citizens, Breitlings, whatever. It is one at the polar, uh, no pun intended, opposite scale of the price bracket. It is the Casio AQ. I thought you were going to say this. I thought you were going to say this. And there's a great story behind it, I believe. The, the Casio AQ is just a superb watch. Uh, I was first introduced to them at uh, a, an amazing facility called Casatec, which is the Special Forces Training Facility in Jordan. And I noticed there was a lot of guys wearing these watches. I thought, well, that's interesting. Let's have a look at it. It's Casio's part of their tough solar range. It is not part of the G-Shock range. And I have managed to persuade uh, my two best friends, Jason and Rob, to buy these watches. And they now, even though they are big watch geeks, they also now believe this is one of the most capable products they've ever bought. It's uh, an analog Casio with a solar face. It has a very small digital face, uh, a digital uh, screen at the bottom. It is extremely clever. It takes 45 minutes to give it a full charge. And that charge lasts 10 months in complete darkness. <laughs> it's because crazy. it has a very smart sequential sh shutdown process. If you leave it in the dark through the night, it automatically shuts down the digital screen. If you then leave it in a drawer, say for a week, it will put the two analog hands to midday to 12 o'clock and it will lock them there. So all it's running is the little chip. Then when you bring it out into the daylight, it will reset itself. <laughs> is it like, a? how does it reset? Is it like, it's not instant, is it? Does it kind of just gradually work no, out it, where it, it was? Yeah, it, sp it spins round, it goes through the, 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 the times till it gets to the right time. That's and cool. it's one of those pure joys of watch ownership when you bring it out of a drawer, watching it happen. Um, that's to, quite a fancy trick, isn't it? It really is, got to say. It's, yeah. it, it, even down to using a really tiny little LED to save power. They've done everything they can to conserve power in it. I've 
been through hell and back with this Casio AQ. I own a blue one, and and I've it literally has been through hell and back. It's it's been in every environment I've ever been to. It's been to jungle. It's been to desert. It has lots of dings in it, which I love because each ding means something to me. And it is one of the very few watches in my collection that were it to fail for any reason, it would be replaced immediately. I, I can't speak highly enough about it. I better say no more because people think I'm in the pay of cash. Right? <laughs> what's, what's, what's been your best adventure with that watch, Richard? It sounds like it's a watch that's lived a bit. Uh, the best adventure. I think probably the best adventure for that was probably in the jungles of Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, because it was so... This is what paints me the way about how, you know, Richard's the most experienced of all of us. I was with... Jungles of Trinidad and Tobago, that's what I was on about. Oh, yeah. I, I, was, um, I was with some um, special operations chaps and uh, we were going through the jungle and we were armed, hot, dirty, tired, everything was muddy. It's a very oppressive environment. And something we were alluding to in the previous show, there is something wonderfully reassuring about looking down at your wrist and this thing is functioning perfectly. Not only that, it's charging as well as you're walking along. That is something I think Tim brought up that you take great comfort in a hostile environment. Um, having a piece of equipment that you know categorically will not let you down yeah Absolutely. and uh, it's a wonderful watch and it will it will always even though it's we're talking about a watch that's less than a hundred pound it will always be in my top five wow top five dress watch right there <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm not sure i'd call it a dress watch <laughs> but okay but, but, you know that, that's exactly that's that's a really interesting point because um this is now really what a tool watch has become i mean that casio that you mentioned richard is the absolute um definition of basically form very much taking second place to function is there to do a job and it doesn't really care if it looks pretty or if it looks stylish or even if it looks cool or trendy it's there to do a particular job and it sounds like it's done that job incredibly well Yes, I think that's a really good point. I think we that's something that's worth touching on, is that it is not a particularly pretty watch. It is a big, chunky watch that looks a bit like a G-Shock, but it's not. Um, it, you view that very, very much as uh, any other part of your equipment that you rely on. And I think in certain environments, you learn to rely on your equipment. You have to. You have to have faith in the manufacturers, whether it's your pistol, whether it's your compass, whether it's your radio your watch is just as important and i think um putting that watch into that category that i know no matter what i throw at it that watch will take it that to me is worth far more than the actual monetary value of that that product that's hard to argue with <laughs> absolutely Tim, you don't strike me as a sort of like a casio man yourself I I do have a G-Shock. Um, yeah, I got it last. I got it you last kept year. That very quiet. Sorry. You kept that quiet. I have kept it quiet. Yeah, it, it has appeared on my Instagram, but not that much. Probably two or three times versus everything else, which is a lot more. Um, but I do have a, a G-Shock. I bought it last year. It was one of the last year's releases. Um, you'll have to forgive me because I don't know the model number of it. Um, 
But I, I do like. I think I probably was influenced by Richard, like you were with the citizen. To be fair, um, and I, I, at the time, I just wanted a watch to wear when working out that I could read quickly. It could time a run. Um, I wouldn't need to use a bezel to do it. I wouldn't need to use a chronograph. You could just chuck it on, and then once you're finished, you can just jump in the shower, and you, again, you don't have to worry about it. Um, so I do have one G-Shock. I think they. It's a sort of watch that you kind of everyone should have one. I think. I think if you're like you were Richard, like you were building something in the garden recently. Mm. I think like that sort of watch you can just throw on and like genuinely you don't really care what happens because you know it can survive. I think I think everyone does need that sort of watch. I think a lot of a lot of watches I've written down as like my three modern tour watches for 5k, like they can survive most of your like everyday stuff. Um mm. and it will survive more than that really. But having a watch that, as we've alluded to, is purely you can switch your brain off and not have to worry about at all you just can't be a g-shock and they're like one of the the more affordable watches you can get so it kind of makes everyone's life a little bit easier really i think yeah more, more affordable is key there isn't it tim and richard because would you say that you know the best tool watch is really a cheap one it's it's one a watch that you can give all sorts of punishment and even if it broke or was stolen or never seen again or destroyed you're not distraught because you know it didn't cost you that much anyway get another one i think I think that's, that's a really good point yeah mm, yeah definitely I, I i think because this definition has the word tool in it it's something you use and if you're using it but are conscious of the value then it's you're not using it to its full potential you're 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 holding yourself back because you're concerned about what certain feature of it um i'm when i made a few notes of this i was thinking how the everyday watch is the modern day tool watch and for me there were a few like important features that a watch would have to to fit uh for it to be a tool watch for me and it doesn't necessarily fit being a diver it could be anything really um one of them was attractive on the wallet um because if you're if you're using it every day like that's probably the most tool watch thing i would use i i don't want to go in anywhere and feel like i'm worried about the value of the watch and oh god i shouldn't be wearing this here x y and z sort of thing um so yeah definitely i completely agree having been in the unenviable position of shattering the lens of a rolex submariner um <laughs> and then having to pay for to have it replaced because i wore it on a boat how, how did you do that what what happened uh, the watch had a severe impact on a boat. That's it. Um, <laughs> primarily because I'd lost control of my left hand at the time. <laughs> and um, I caught it at just the wrong angle and I shattered the sapphire crystal. Although it remained intact, there's a huge crack right across it from top to bottom. Right. And I contacted the local Rolex service centre, um, which was in the Middle East where I was. And it, was, it wasn't cheap to get that replaced. <laughs> And that, that then somebody yeah. said to me jokingly, should have worn a G-Shock. <laughs> well, that, that was that, a life-changing that, moment for me. And now you are that man. You are the should have been wearing a G-Shock person. Learn, <laughs> learn from my example and my stupidity. <laughs> I, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Because, you know, unfortunately, much as we love uh, the Speedies, the Rolexes, um, the fact is, you know, particularly when it comes to Rolexes and steel sports watches in general, the, the, they've almost been sort of like priced out of 
everyday uses to watchers, if you see what I mean. Um, I, I'm probably like a little bit of a sissy on this. You know, you've obviously alluded right to the fact quite rightly that, you know, I'm a big girl's blouse when it comes to even getting it wet. But you no, know, at the same time, at the same time, I think I think there is. I think, unfortunately, value is sort of the enemy of a tool watch, isn't it? Yeah, I, th I think there's I mean, there's there's kind of a, a point there about watches in general, where if you're concerned about the price of it, you probably shouldn't really be wearing it because it, maybe maybe you can't afford it or it, it, you shouldn't have to worry about it to that level. Um, I don't necessarily completely agree with that, mm -hmm. um, but I think it I think in certain environments, yeah, it should be. It's just something for you to not think about if you're wearing a watch and you're wearing it as a modern day tool watch a consideration of will my watch be able to survive what I'm doing just shouldn't come into your mind. It's distracting from whatever you're doing. And it might not be as adventurous as the stuff, sort of stuff that Richard's done in his past. It might just be literally cleaning a car or fixing a car or anything like that. I, I, you shouldn't be worried about, oh God, if I ding it on this part of the car, then it's going to mm. be damaged. Well, it just shouldn't shouldn't be a part of um, part of your mindset, really. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, I completely agree. The, the latest ding I put into a um, uh, uh, it was my a tracer watch that, that mm. I wear and I like. Uh, was was gardening. Um, just scratched it on a on a bush as I put my hand through a bush and I thought, oh, wish I hadn't worn it. And uh, mm. yeah, you you've got to have your go to watch that you you don't mind what happens to it. Uh, but then, as as we said, you embrace that because all those marks become the character of that watch. Uh, the, 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 I think it's a wonderful argument, especially. Uh, it, was, it was related to a, a painter whose name escapes me that he he, he used to paint uh, products that require human interaction to really be alive. And I feel that way very much about watches. And I oh, think wow. if you, you look at all these scratches and dings on some of my watches, I really embrace them. I love them. And to me, it, it adds more life to the product because it shared that experience with me, if, if that's not being too deep. Yeah, no, that, that's. That, I think that's absolutely right. Every scar tells a story. Yeah, that's that's the reason why. I mean, let's be honest. People, we spend so much on a watch is because it it can go with you on the journey. Like if if we didn't care about the emotional side of it and the artistic side of it, we would just be wearing swatches or whatever, and and we'd be done with it. Nothing mm. against watch. I love swatch, but it, it, it you you buy into whether it's marketing BS or whatever, you have a connection to these watches and the, those stories behind them bring you together and make you want to wear certain watches with certain occasions. And whenever you wear them going forward, you always remember the history you've had with that watch. Absolutely. I think that's very true. Um, every watch tells a story as well as every scar. Mm. So in terms of tool watches, obviously you've got your G-Shop, Tim. Um, Richard, we know what your favourite tool watch is, but do you think there is a tool watch that can serve the role as being just your one and only watch? So if you had to get a watch which would classify as a tool watch, is there one which is just suitable as a one watch collection? Well, you see, that, that's now therefore I fall foul of my own argument because being the watch <laughs> I did, I did enthusiast that, that I am, I would not want my only watch probably to be a G-Shock. And I feel quite embarrassed saying that because I love G-Shock. always <laughs> be a great advocate of them. But if you could only let me keep one watch, it wouldn't be the G, I'm afraid. It would have to be something that I could... Um, 
talk about the complex movement and watch the the complications on it happening and yeah sorry yeah I, i'd have to shoot myself in the foot on that <laughs> it's gone back on everything he just said yeah <laughs> absolutely what about you tim um the g the g-shock is the one that you keep isn't it and the the county and the sub would go no i don't think it would be. <laughs> um <laughs> i mean personal collection aside they're like brands like like rolex and seiko are i mean so, like we haven't even really spoken about Seiko that much mm. in this yet, but they are very comparable to what Rolex kind of used to be back in the day, like that Seiko are doing it now. So I, th I think basically any like modern sports watch from Seiko um, could easily fill that gap. Um, I mean, yeah, Rolex is, is an obvious one, but but anything from Amiga as well. I've got my list of three modern watches, 5K. They're, they're Aquaterra in 38 mil with gray coaxial movement like that that watch could easily be a one watch collection um and survive a lot of stuff so i've been saying with his in u50 to be fair so yeah there's there's a few options but i, I suppose for me it, it seems boring whenever i'm on the podcast and you always ask me these sort of questions i always end up just saying the submariner feels a bit boring no, i agree <laughs> with you because like my answer is the submariner um, yeah but, Rainer, really i think i think any modern watch from like the kind of big i don't know top 10 sort of brands um i think amigo rolex seiko like all of those guys create watches that that could survive a lifetime easily mm. yeah but are, are they really tool watches anymore that's the question you see well, uh, well um yes i would always argue they are to me i think that's down to the individual then i mean there are plenty of people who would buy a, a rolex sea dweller and it would never see a drop of water yeah, uh, but that does not detract it, in my view, certainly from being a very impressive tool watch that has got high dive capability or low dive capability. Should I say? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Alf Alfred Menzel, by the way, is the painter that you're after. That's the fellow. Well there done. You go. Mm. Well done. I can tell you, my friend Jason never thought he'd get a mention in a podcast about watches. <laughs> well, there we go. There we go. Um, so if you're off to cross the desert tomorrow, what would it be? Would you take the G-Shock or would you take something else? This is me. Um, it's got to be you, isn't it? No, uh, the, the man who's been across the desert, go on. Just a few, just a few of them, yeah. Just a few. <laughs> um, uh, I think I would probably take the Citizen Pro Master Tough. I would too. Good answer. Uh, it is it will handle anything the desert throws at it it's it, it's temperature check to alarming alarming levels the only thing i would say is you know you, you, again if you think back to what we were talking about earlier so is the omega speedmaster tested to that level uh, it had to to go to the moon where it can get up to 200 degrees c so i can't quite put my finger on it why i wouldn't take that perhaps mm. there's, there's an element with the push buttons that it feels a little bit flimsier i don't know i mean that's completely just a personal feel from the watch whereas the with with the the pro master tough i i i can't imagine anything affecting it it, it is so well conceived so well built that were it to be the watch that i had to take say if i was going on a two-week trip up the himalayas i would carry that as my one watch without hesitation anywhere However, I would caveat, I would not keep it on the original Kevlar strap. 
which is a very sought after item because and my Kevlar strap is sitting in its box and it has been there since day two of owning the watch. <laughs> I, I guess a NATO is what it currently sits on. It is currently sitting on a NATO. Yes, it is sitting on a Zulu diver NATO. And that is especially if you use the satin keepers because it looks it fits in with the coloring of the case. That is about as good a mix as you're ever going to get. Well, which which NATO is it? It's currently sitting on the Zulu Diver Classic Bond NATO. Oh, so is mine. They... <laughs> <laughs> what great, a... great minds. Great minds do. Great minds do do think alike. T Tim, um, you mentioned you're wearing your sub early. Are you are you back to the steel bracelet? Because you're you're a man to chop and change uh, straps on your sub, aren't you? I am, yeah, and I am actually, yeah, I am back to the steel bracelet. Um, hasn't been on there in a while. Um, I think I might need to remove a link and play around with that a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's it's back on the on the bracelet. Um, it's it spends a lot of its life on a range of straps. I think before this it was on a leather, I think, and then a NATO before that. But yeah, back back to the bracelet. Um, and it's nice to to be finally wearing it again and have it back on the bracelet. It kind of feels right. Yeah, fantastic. I must admit that sort of on mine, I've never had anything other than the bracelet. So maybe it's time to uh, to mix it up a bit. We um we can sort you out. We know. I think there's a company we're quite closely connected to is to do watch straps. So we can sort you out there. Really you know a guy. Always useful to know a guy. Right, Anthony, <laughs> turning the question back on you then. Um, which which watch will I use to cross the desert with? Yeah. Or, um, so I actually have crossed the desert. That's the funny thing. Um, so it was, it was a while ago on the Paris Dakar rally. Um, now I'm just desperately trying to think what I had. And do you know what? I th think I know. I think I know. I believe I might be wrong, but I think I was actually, I, I knew it was going to be a sort of tough trip and things were going to get bashed around a bit. And I think it was a swatch. I knew you would say swatch. I was, I was thinking, I bet he's going to say swatch in a minute. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, I think it was, um, I think it was my bright orange um, swatch um so yeah and i have to say that was absolutely perfect um uh, again really for the reasons that i think sort of tim mentioned earlier in relation to the g-shock it's it's well i think uh here's a controversial opinion i i think the swatch in many ways is better than the g-shock because of course i just like the aesthetic appeal of a swatch and 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 um well this is the thing so the g-shock uh, it's a great watch it's a fabulous tool watch and and, and of course that shouldn't detract from its uh, tooliness if that's such a word but unfortunately you know i'm um i'm a bit of an aesthete aren't i and and and, and i like having th things that look nice and i just can't get my head around the um the, the fact that the G-Shock's taken quite a severe beating from the ugly stick, hasn't it? Let's face it. And, um, uh, whereas the Swatch, of course, is, is you know, you, you have that Swiss heritage. Um, interesting to look at. And, and, and I had my bright orange one because I thought if you're sort of stumbling around in a tent in the middle of the desert, as I was, it's sort of easy to find being that colour. And that was very true. There's lots of times when I was sort of like in the middle of the night, just with a torch on my phone, looking around, thinking, right, where's all my stuff? Where's <laughs> uh, that's where it is. It's that flash of bright orange nestling at the bottom of the sleeping bag and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, bright orange swatch, I believe, is what I was wearing to uh, for, for the desert. And of course, being a swatch, of course, reliability is not even an issue, is it? So, you know, um, absolutely perfect. Um, good loom on it. So, um, you know, again, when you're in the dark, you can instantly see the time and incredibly legible so i think it did absolutely everything that um that would be required 
you have just defined a tool watch with what you've said. Although the irony I suspect is that it probably had never been tested to extreme heats or extreme depths. <laughs> well, it was tested now. So um, what what happened? Um, it got very hot during the day and we saw temperatures of about sort of like 50 degrees on a couple of occasions. Um, it did get very wet because we sort of like had um, a, a sort of flash flood as well, which wasn't ideal. Um, so yeah yeah and throughout that um it got sort of like trampled on a few times um pretty much pretty much faultless i don't think there was sort of like anything that um anything at all that really uh went wrong i'm still trying to get over the uh change in tension of this recording ever since anthony said that swatch is better than g-shock that was a big moment yeah it's a big moment it's a big moment yeah. it's a great thing about sort of like um watch uh Watch, watch, watch connecting and watch appreciation is that, of course, everyone has their own ideas. But to my mind, um, look, uh, I'm not taking anything away from the G-Shock. It is absolutely what it is and it's very good at what it does. I just wished it looked a bit prettier. And if it did, I'd like it more. Um, call me shallow, but, you know, that's how it is. I feel if we were doing this in person, Richard would have shot you <laughs> the dirtiest of luck as soon as you said that. Oh, I wondered where that was going there. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, I, I thought just shot you full stop, but it's. Uh, <laughs> Do you actually own a digital watch, Anthony? Um, no, I don't. I don't. I actually. thought you say that. Um, <laughs> no, no, I don't. I, I, I used to, um, but um, but no, I, I don't have one. I'm going to make it my mission over the next six months to try and find you a G that you actually think I, I want that. What about a Cassioke? Have you seen, seen the Cassioke, Anthony? Um, I have. Let me just remind myself a again. A bit of a nickname. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a G-Shock that has uh, is similar to like a Royal Oak in, in the... I see it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the, in the bezel shape and everything. And it's got traditional analogue hands and stuff. Um, yeah, people people refer to that as the Cassioke and actually mod it with like uh, like metal parts to go over the rubber so it looks even more like a Royal Oak. I've seen that and it's 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 quite fun. Um, but but just just tell me why I wouldn't want a swatch instead. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I, I can see. I can. I'm looking at it now, Tim. Yeah, I can see the. Uh, I can definitely see the lineage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see a nice modification with the with a with a wonderful chunky gold coloured bracelet. <laughs> oh, we do. There's a very tactical looking one. Yeah, it's all black. Yeah, that one's that one's pretty popular. I think they they've all done really well, and I think this year um, they've released smaller sizes that are aimed at the women's market because these are like forty four, maybe forty five. These new ones are like forty two, but they're like white with like rose gold hands and stuff. So they kind of reduce the size, but then kind of lean too much into the traditional women's aesthetic mm. uh, for some people anyway. So. There's a Cassio, which of course is sort of like um, a bright reddish orange, which is quite similar to the um, the strap on my swatch, actually. So I guess okay. if I was going to wear a, a, a digital watch, I'd wear that. But it's um, the part of the appeal is that it's not a purely digital watch, is it? Yeah. There you go, Richard. Well, We've that, planted the seed like on the it. That's why I like the AQ so much, because the digital screen is so tiny. Yeah. It yeah. is, to all intents and purposes, an, an analogue. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Nice. So yeah, that's that. That could be my that could be my introduction to it. I uh, uh, I like it as a plan. Um, 
let's um let's move on let's talk about which tool watchers we would choose then given a budget of five thousand pounds so i think that sort of puts pretty much uh, mm -hmm. the other watches we've spoken about before pretty much out of range well actually we have spoken about a few of them before because of course there were spoilers but we did warn you about that um so um let, let's go for a budget of five thousand pounds of course feel free to spend a lot less um, we'll give you some sort of like extra bonus points if you do. Um, let's start off with Tim. You know, give us three watches that you'd spend £5,000 or less on, which would be indubitably defined as tool watches. OK, so I'm going to stick more towards the mechanical side of things. I think we have to honourable, for me anyway, mention G-Shock and Casio. Um, they're obviously very good examples. Oh, that... Tim, I thought you already did that. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> All right, G-Shock out of the way. Um, the first one for me, we've already mentioned it, the Zin U50. Uh, it was watched, I looked at recently. German submarine steel, uh, extremely legible. You've got really bold loom and you've got great contrast with the black dial and the white hands. Um, and for me, in relation to like a modern day tool watch, I'm not really going to be putting it through like insane amount of of uh, testing or like crazy environments so it is reassuring enough for me to be able to survive anything i can put it through but then still has a wearable uh sensible look i suppose that you could easily wear like every day if you really wanted to um so that that for me that's pick number one that's around two thousand euros uh pick number two is it's rather boring because it's already watched i've already mentioned as well is the aquaterra the coaxial uh 150 meters model with the white dial with gray details um i will just send a link to you too just so you can see what i'm talking about uh but that's the one i would get it's it's on the rubber strap as well because i think it it looks all right on the bracelet but it it shines on the rubber um and you've got the coaxial movement there you've got uh, anti-magnetic properties you can see the movement it's a great size it's not going to get in the way of your life uh, the rubber strap as well, you know, if you do end up in water, it's perfectly fine. You've got water resistance rating and you've got the rubber strap, so it feels quite sporty. Uh, and brand new, that one is is just in the budget of 4,700. Um, and the final choice is kind of similar to the U50. Um, and I'm tempted to say like the Rolex OP in 36, <clears throat> not like a do it all uh, to watch, but again, something for daily where that, that would be, that'd be great. Um, but I'll go slightly different and I'll go the Pelagos from Tudor. I think uh, loads of Tudor watches um, are extremely appealing uh, and there's probably there's probably more that are more wearable. But ever since I handled the Pelagos a few years ago, it's always been a watch that's kind of been in the back of my mind as like, oh, wow, that was just so impressive. The bezel's amazing. The dial's great with the blue. It feels like a like a proper watch that can survive anything. Um, and I wish they they do more with it. Really, I think they could they could expand that with GNT versions and stuff. So, yeah, there, there's my three. Thank you very much, Tim. Absolutely great choice. Shall I, shall, shall I go next? Mm -hmm. Go for it. Go so, for it. Um, I, I've been giving this a lot of thought naturally, and <laughs> um, so my first nomination is going to be the G-Shock. No, that's that's a joke. <laughs> um, G Absolutely, no, that would that would that would be a proper G-Shock to the system if I said that, wouldn't it? Boom, boom. Um, no, what I was going to go for, and and, and this is actually um, a, a watch that I'm giving very, very, very careful consideration to to purchasing, is um, it's a Squally, 
um, or a squale rather, um, as, as as I should know, because of course, whilst squale is the Italian word for, for shark, it is of course a Swiss company and they pronounce it the French way, which is squale. And the watch that I really like the look of is the Sub 39 GMT Vintage, which is described as the traveller's diver's watch. So what you have is a watch which has got very much, a, it's a dive watch, but it's very much just a skin diver look. Um, if you see, it's a sort of a nice, nice thin watch. And it's essentially a vintage inspired dive watch with a GMT hand. And that actually sort of pretty much puts um, everything together in one watch that I need and like. Um, it's got a retro twist. Um, it's not, um, you know, it's, it's, it's got very much its own identity. I don't think it's trying to be something that it's not. Um, and I just love the whole aesthetic and the whole functionality of it. It's um, 30, 30 metres water resistance, so you know you're not going to do any in-depth diving. But you know the honest truth is I don't plan to do any diving at all in it. So I think um, I think it'll work. Uh, I think it'll work pretty well for me. Um, I really like it. It's um, one thousand three hundred and seventy-four Swiss francs. Um, I should be able to do some maths on that and tell you what the um, price is in pounds. Um, a bit less. Actually, if, 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 yeah, a bit less. Actually, <laughs> someone can help me out on that. I'll, I'll continue telling, telling, telling me. Telling me. I looked at this before, but um, as I said, maths is really, really not my strong point. Um, Squall, of course, for people who don't know, they've got a fantastic history and tradition of dive watchers. Um, they supplied the um, Italian Navy with um, dive watchers, and um, it's a company that's been going through the sort of 60s, uh, from the 60s onwards. So it's definitely not a new kid in the block, but um, I think this is a fabulous tribute to the past. I really love the red GMT hand. I really like the loom, um, uh, black black watch, um, and I think it's the sort of watch where you know we were talking earlier on about you know, what's one watch that you could have which would perform pretty much any role and be suitable for any occasion, um, and it would be that one. It's it's just over a thousand pounds, 1,081. It's got an ETA movement in it, so um, quality, of course, is, is not something that you even need to, to think about, and um, there it is. So, yeah, the, the Squall would nice be um, my first choice. Beautiful watch. Mm. I really like it. I really like it. I think, I think, I think it's just uh, thoroughly, thoroughly excellent. I'm curious to hear how thick it is if you do end up getting it actually, because that the yeah, pictures yeah. make it look really thin. It does um, make it does look really really thin. I'm just seeing if um, there's any information on that, but I can't see exactly um, exactly what what it is um, on there. But um, the description is is. Um, very relevant, I think, to what we're talking about. And, and what it says, again, I'm just reading from the website. Um, it says, it describes it as a truly do-it-all tool watch. The sub-30 I mean, is oh. practical and stylish, and the ideal choice for any diver or world traveller embarking on their next adventure. And I'd like to think that was me, really. <laughs> That's you. The, the, um, the, oh, the time only version of that is about 13 mil thick. Because right. uh, we, we have the, the time-only version available on the website um, for sale because we're a Squall authorised dealers um, or retailers. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they kept that 13 mil thickness because that's, that's a nice thickness if they did. I, th I think so. And, um, yeah, I, th I think I think that's just a very nice-looking watch. What, what do you think of it? I think it's a great choice. I, I, th I, think it's I agree with it. Choice. Uh, you yeah. know, they, they, 
it, it seems to be the archetypal new release that fits perfectly into the conversation we're having. Yeah. Fantastic. So good. Now I've united everyone. Um, I'm, I'm now going to sort of blow a big bomb in the middle of it uh, by, by, by sort of like nominating my second tool watch, which is, of course, the ultimate tool watch. And there's just no argument because this is the most versatile watch that's ever been made. Oh, God. Uh, it's the um, it's the Apple Watch. Oh dear. Uh, you know, okay. There you go. Um, but look, if we w- what did we say a tool watch is about? A tool watch is about functionality. It's about giving people mm. tools to do their job. Um, certainly, my job is about emails, text messages, WhatsApp, yeah. out stuff, answering the phone, talking on the phone. Um, it's all there, isn't it? I mean, there's never been a level of such user friendly technology. And and you know, you don't need to swivel bezels or work out sextants or calculate degrees. You just can you can just tap a little button, it'll show you which way north is. So you don't really need to worry about that. Um so yeah, um it's interesting. So obviously I sort of like uh let's say slagged off the um the the, the G Shock earlier. <laughs> I think the aesthetic of the Apple Watch is much much nicer um it's not rugged in the way that it is but a tool watch doesn't have to be rugged does it it's a, it's 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 a watch that enables you to do your job and i've had an apple watch before i actually haven't got one at the moment but i have had one before and i did find it very useful the only reason why i stopped wearing it was that i i liked wearing my other watches too much um mm. so um but anyway uh, some friends of mine have sort of like sort of converted me vaguely to the the concept of double wristing um, which of course everyone will know about one Apple Watch and one wrist, and you have a watch and you have a wrist. Maybe it looks a little bit silly, but you know I think now that more people are doing it, I could probably go back to using an Apple Watch because in my time with it, it was undeniably useful. Um, the aesthetic I liked, and of course there's um, no shortage of uh, accessories to uh, to to customize it in um, in a way that would be. Um, um, you know, again, aesthetically pleasing. So, yeah, it's got to be the Apple Watch because I think you can't sort of like argue against it being the ultimate tool watch, or can you? I hate to <coughs> agree, <laughs> but I feel compelled that I have to agree. Ah, okay. It it is everything you've described there is very difficult to pick holes in. It, it is to most watch wearers the perfect tool for their everyday life and by sheer definition of everything we've covered that watch must fit into that category yeah um i've i've got a a good friend is in the u.s coast guard and a lot of those guys are wearing that type of watch in the double wristing capacity as you you mentioned because they have the hurricane alerts and things on them on an app Mm. Mm. so yeah i whilst i don't own one and probably will not own one i think there's actually a lot of merit in what you've said yeah i I completely agree i think people don't like to admit it but yeah in terms of what a tool watch is today that is the most functional tool watch you can get um and let's be honest most people in the world are wearing an apple watch right now like it was released six years ago probably um about that, yeah. and, it, and it's the most popular watch i mean apple let's say they're the most they're the biggest watch brand in the world um i mean that everyone everyone's wearing an apple watch so yeah i think that's you can't, that's hard to argue with as mm-hmm. much as watch nerds will hate that concept i think you're right absolutely and um i sort of i've not looked recently but sort of i think we're looking at something between 300 and 500 pounds aren't we for an apple watch 
Yeah, I think they start around around three hundred pounds ish, maybe a bit less for a more basic one. But yeah, you can spare spend about that, and you'll get uh, a good one that will connect to your phone and won't need to be near your phone to work and stuff. So nice. So there we go. And my final choice, I hope everyone agrees with, it's a watch that I had the um, the privilege of wearing for a couple of weeks not so long ago, and I've written about it, of course, in the uh, uh, Watch Gecko Online magazine, and that is the um, Zin three five six Flieger, the Pilot Watch. Um, I think it's just, um, I really, really enjoyed wearing it. Um, I wore it for two weeks and it just, um, I thought it was lovely. Um, everything about it I liked, of course, extremely practical, plenty of functionality, um, beautiful syringe hands, incredibly easy and clear to read. It made an excellent driving watch because I wasn't actually flying anything. I was driving at the time, but um, I thought, attracted lots of compliments. I thought, what a wonderful watch, um, well put together, very legible um three sub dials um syringe hands water resistant if you want to and um i think you know very very good value at about 1500 euros once sorry 1750 on the um on the leather strap uh for me the archetypal pilot's watch and <clears> one <throat> gave me a lot of pleasure spent a lot of time looking at it and and so did so did lots of other people and um you know i can't think of any other watch from even the more established um you know pilot watch manufacturers such as iwc that i would uh, i would rather rather be wearing um uh yeah absolutely nice choice. fantastic yeah. I like uh, it's, it's, it looks like a it's got a real military chronograph look to it um it real it's it's almost timeless dial i would say uh, mm. that could be a watch from the 1950s or from 2021 yeah and it's actually full of genuinely useful features like the, mm. the day date as, as as well as like you know yeah. let alone the fact it's mm. chronograph it's actually usable um and it's a nice size great fan. and it's the second time zin have been included in this list well so yeah, i think Zin. fans of zin are we and, and mm. you can see why and, and and honestly, sort of, um, you know, it's, it's that, that's definitely a watch I'd consider buying. And I'd see no reason to invest a lot more money in, in an IWC, for example, when you can have that. Yeah, that that's a great choice. I, I, nice. Yes, yeah, 100% behind that one. And I really, yeah, really, really like it. So, Richard, over to you. Um, as the tall watch guru, um, we are hanging with basic breath. <laughs> Uh, which well, three choices will be and then oh. course, after we've finished with uh, richard's three choices i'm going to open it up to something even more random but let's start with richard's three choices okay well I, i'm as you know i i can't see much further than the uh elaborate dress watches such as the tank and uh, uh that would obviously feature no of course it won't really. <laughs> um i'm afraid yeah. mine are no surprise because like... they've all cropped up in conversation um mm -hmm. uh the, the Citizen Promaster Tough Ray Mears from the early 2000s uh, has to be in my list. Um, I've I've advocated it throughout these discussions. I can't really say anything more about it. Uh, the, the newer models I would avoid. I would definitely try and go for uh, a used uh, model, which is, is by default what you'll probably find now. They're not particularly expensive. A good one will be somewhere between three to five hundred pounds. I have seen them for more, but I would I don't think you should pay more than that for it. But if you can find one, uh, you would not be disappointed. And I think a very learned gentleman on this podcast would agree. I, I completely agree, Richard. And uh, had it not been for the fact that I knew you were going to talk about it, I would have certainly put it on my top three as well. Okay. 
my second one again we've discussed is the casio aqs 810w specifically tough solar uh, it is an outstanding piece of equipment it can be your go-to watch um, whatever you're doing it's maybe not going to be the watch you'd wear out on a smart evening but you could wear it every other day um again you're looking at probably around about 50 pound for that so it's incredibly cheap for what you get um so buy with confidence on that because i've thoroughly tested one last one has to be the omega speedmaster professional moonwatch specifically the model with the stainless steel back and for my money on the leather strap uh, on the black leather strap with the deployment clasp. Yeah, nice. I think that is the best looking one by far. Hence, it's, it's the model that I bought. I, I'm, I don't think it looks aesthetically quite as pleasing on the stainless steel bracelet. I think the black strap really offsets particularly well against that watch, purely because of what it's been through, the testing it went through. The 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 We use the word iconic perhaps too much, but I genuinely feel this watch can have that 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 name a portion to it uh it's just within our brackets i think you can get it for around four thousand one hundred and seventy pounds so we've just slipped in i think because of the history of the watch the fact they've kept it true in its design all through its evolution you still will look at that watch and you're still looking at the same dial that these incredible apollo gemini astronauts looked at to me that is priceless absolutely fabulous choices richard um i don't think we'll find a single person who will argue with uh, any of that especially that um speedmaster moonwatch professional i think it looks just absolutely amazing now i'd like to leave us with um the same thing again but this time we're going to have a bit of fun with it and forget the uh, five thousand budget spend whatever you like on your ultimate ultimate tool watch and I'm not going to add like my friend Steve for the ultimate tool. Your ultimate tool watch for any price, any time, any place, anywhere. Tim, what's it to be? Okay, I tried to pick something a little bit or a few different suggestions here. Um, Breguet. It's not Breguet, no. Well, one of my answers is close to it. As you can tell, I couldn't do one. Um, I've done two. Um, sorry. The first one is a... Rolex Submariner, obviously, I'll get it out of the way. 6200. It's the early big crown, 37mm with an Explorer dial. Um, it probably wouldn't survive anything, but, well, actually, no, it, it wouldn't really survive anything at all. Um, but if we're talking like ultimate grails, then I'll take one of them from 1954. Uh, one sold at Philips, uh, I think in 2017, for half a million dollars. Um, so, you know, I'm really pushing the whole concept of it being it's beautiful grail. <laughs> it is yeah and i was tempted to put an like an early explorer in there because they're cool but this this combines best best of both worlds it's also 37 mil as well so like the the old earlier sports rolexes were were smaller um so it's like such a great size uh you've got the explorer dial as well with obviously the old old 369 it doesn't say submariner on the dial at all it's just rolex oyster perpetual <clears throat> um it yeah like i said it probably wouldn't really survive anything but i just own it to look at it um and then the other option which is slightly different uh is a rose gold patek reference 2508 which <clears throat> i'll send you a link to it now 
wouldn't you wouldn't really think it was a tool watch but it is actually it uh, features a waterproof case all right so is that a tool watch if your job involves hanging around casinos or something like that well kind of but it is it has a waterproof case well that, 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 that's that's just for if you splash it when you're washing your hands well, up the Savoy. i don't know it says it's waterproof. I'm I'm taking it as a tool watch. Or or, or if the sort of like waiters <laughs> spill some champagne on their back, I think that's that, that that's that's what the waterproofing's. That's true. Yeah. Although I'm sure you wouldn't even trust that then, would you, Anthony? And no trust there. Um, yeah, probably I'm kind of not. probably not. You're right. You know, like it's a... get asked to see the manager instantly. Um, yeah, it's it's pushing the boat of, of what a tool watch is, and it's kind of me just wanting to get something that looks a bit more dressy in there, to be fair. So the sub really the main answer, but a waterproof Patek from 1955 is kind of cool. So, yeah. I think um, now I think it's cool. No one, no one can argue with the fact that it's cool. I'd love to know. I think I think there were even more of those went, even fewer of those rather went in water than the than the percentage of Range Rovers that went off-road. But, um, Probably. Yeah. Um, so sort of like keeping with the automotive theme, the seamless link, um, what I'm going to go for for my ultimate tool watch is one that I can't have because it just sold out. Um, did anyone see the um, tag Monaco in green that was released recently um, as yes. a limited edition, uh, piece, uh, limited edition 500 pieces? Sold out pretty much straight away. So, um, you know, they'll be reappearing again at well over retail price soon, I'm sure. Um, it was released to um, commemorate the um, historic Monaco Grand Prix, which is taking place now, or has just taken place uh, by the time you listen to the podcast. And um, I love green watches. I love the Monaco. So, you know, this is obviously one that I would absolutely love to have had. Um, comparatively modestly priced at about sort of... Um, 6,000 euros, I believe, compared to some of the choices that we've heard. Uh, but that's not what people are going to be paying for it. I think I think we'll see them, like I said, changing hands for a lot more money than that because it seems to struck a chord with collectors. But um, beautiful watch. Is it a tool watch? Well, I've no idea. But obviously, Steve McQueen wore one and it's associated with racing. So I'm going to say it's it's part of the tools of a racing driver's trade. And I would absolutely love to have had a, um, a Monaco in, in green. That, sorry, just to chip in, you, you might find, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not an expert on vintage uh, secondhand market on Hoya, but you might find that in a few months that price on the secondhand market will come down. Do you, think you, so? you, you might be able to. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to say because some watches get picked up and, yeah. and people, like you said, people love them and their price stays high. Um, but you might, it might be surprised that it might, it might come down a little bit. Um, you never or, would be that would be amazing maybe once the fashion for green watches has evaporated a bit i mean i'm obviously in the green watch game for the long term so my yeah. fascination will it will, with it will never disappear um but but let, let's let's hope you're right on that because set that up means, a um chrono 24 like search alert thing and uh it will alert you every time one comes up and you can keep an eye on the price that's what i do with a few watches very good tip very good tip they only made 500 and like i said sold out pretty much instantly um, but um, I don't know if um, I, th I think it's probably going to be a little bit of a polarizing choice because the Monaco is not everyone's cup of tea and neither is the neither is a green watch. But mm. I like both. And I so therefore, no surprise that I find a combination. Stunning. Yeah, it's a very Anthony choice in the best way possible. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Like I said, tool watch is, is maybe pushing it a little bit, but I'm going to call it the tools of a racing driver's trade. 
Nice. Richard, how about yourself? Money, no object. Well, I'm afraid I've done the same as Tim. I've got two because I really couldn't <laughs> pick. Um, the first is not hugely shattering the 5,000 ceiling. It's a Rolex Explorer 2 reference 16570 pre-2011. Uh, how, how much are those? Um, changing hands About well? eight, eight and a half, give or take. The modest, very modest. Like Yeah, uh, and to me that is the ultimate tool watch. I... I'm lucky enough to have one, and it is a beautiful piece of equipment that uh, is aimed at those that now are explorers at heart. But you know, maybe we don't explore much now. But to me, it, the ethos behind that watch is everything that I love in life. So that is for me the ultimate to watch. But it was about three thousand too much to go into our top three. No, but beautiful is your choice. However, seeing as you've got one, I think it's more than fair that you you name something that you haven't oh and that's what i'm going to do because my this is my grail watch can i guess yeah go for it see i i think i know you and i don't think okay i might be wrong but i don't think you would go crazy price like i did i think you might say oh you would have said it with the three three modern ones though i was going to say that that like thousand pound g-shock uh no that's a good answer though no but it's not ah oh, damn it okay cut that out <laughs> it's not and i think i've gone perhaps overly controversial here on oh okay one, all right i uh, because my grail watch doesn't exist unfortunately. oh okay oh i should have um, known you well, do that it, it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> my grail watch is oh. a titanium rolex okay yeah and that was in my the reason somewhere. is i've been following the uh America's Cup closely. And of course, there's been an awful lot of chatter about Ben Ainsley's Rolex. Because Ben Ainsley is wearing a one-off titanium Yachtmaster. And I quote, he says here, the team at Rolex has been incredibly thoughtful by giving me a titanium Yachtmaster 42. I'm extremely honoured to have it. Plus, from a performance perspective, every little bit of weight that we can save helps us to go faster. <laughs> Now, whilst I wouldn't necessarily want the Yachtmaster, the prospect of an Explorer or Explorer 2 in titanium would be, for me, without a shadow of a doubt, the ultimate to watch. Yeah, that's, yeah. Okay, I can see why you chose that. And that is a very, very you choice as well. Again, it in is the best very way possible. Me. It is very me. There will be people listening to this saying, well, we saw that one coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 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 waiting for the um for for you to be announcing the the phone call you've had from Rolex to be listening to this and they're going to make you one. Yeah, work work with Rolex, give it a go. <laughs> I, think, I think because I mean it's a very good point. I wonder why they haven't sold. Anything. I have no idea because when I was faced with the choice of a titanium Seamaster or stainless steel, I really really had to look hard, admittedly, but I wanted the titanium one. I don't know why Rolex don't go down that route because it, to me it's it would just transform a titanium submariner. Gosh, it'd be amazing. That would be quite something. That I, would be quite, quite something. Yeah. I, th I think it would possibly lean too much into the the tool watch aspect of Rolex, and, and almost because it would require too much too much explanation for the rich people who buy Rolexes new. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, they they probably would never never really go down that route. I mean, it's very cool that they've done this one off one. Um, and I might be totally wrong. And if they do it um, as a serial production, that will be the coolest thing to see from Rolex for quite a while. Um, I mean, they released a two-tone 36-minute Explorer recently, so never say never. 
Like, yeah, who'd have thought it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sort of, I quite like that one, but there's another story. Um, <laughs> I don't think anyone can really top that. The titanium uh, Rolex, I think that's an excellent Grail watch. Good modern choice. Um, good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, it's funny we talked about Grail watches and sort of the whole thing about, I think, the, the pursuit of the Holy Grail was no one was ever sure it existed. So, historically. So, <laughs> um, so, so I think, you know, what better definition of a Grail watch than one that may not even exist. <laughs> Absolutely. Sure. Nice. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for listening, everyone. I think we've sort of probably sort of covered the whole subject of tool watchers a little bit. Um, unfortunately for you, um, our listeners, we could go on for a lot more, but well, we won't. We won't. We'll call it for a halt on this occasion. No doubt revisit it in future. But uh, we hope you've enjoyed listening to our thoughts. And thanks very much to Tim and for Richard for their time and um, their insights on what makes tool watchers great and um, why we all need them in our lives. Yeah, it was good fun. Thank you. Thank you very much. I enjoyed that. Thank you very much indeed. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Time to Unwind podcast. If you enjoyed listening, we'd love to hear from you. So please leave your ratings of the show through your podcast app. And be sure to reach out on social media at WatchGecko with your thoughts. Adding a rating and a comment really does help the podcast. So we'd be grateful for your support. Thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.